Former Wolf Taj Gibson has been reunited with former Wolves head coach Tom Thibodeau. Oh man, it's like two soulmates reunited. Tibbs must be stoked. I'm never happy. Welcome to episode 146 of Wolves Cast, the show recruiting real fans for a Target Center insurrection. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Welcome to the show. I'm going to have the giant flag that says retire KG's number so we can storm the Target Center, everybody. Oh my gosh. Break down the windows. I'm going to be shirtless and like wearing like a wolf-like taxidermy on my head. I'm going to find Rosas' desk and put my feet up on it. Oh man, all, all the stuff. We're going to show them. Can't we're, wait. We're gonna get them. Get my hands on that dunk contest trophy. It's a Mayo Square, Mayo Clinic Square. <laughs> dunk contest. Oh yeah, they they got them over there, you guys. All right, welcome to the show, you guys. Wolf's Cast is back. Another another Wolf's Cast episode here for you. Happy uh, happy whenever you're listening to this. I was gonna say happy weekend because we release this on uh, Fridays. And I gotta think that the majority of our fans are just diving right in right away as soon as it as soon as it hits their app they're on it. But I also think that there's probably someone who's going to discover us in like August. To which I'd say <laughs> happy summer to that person. I hope you're having a good one. They're, Thanks for checking us out. They're listening back. Yeah. is what you're saying going through the back episodes and they saw this one and they're like, oh wow, that that week where the wolves lost all those games. <laughs> I better listen to this episode. I bet this one will be noteworthy. That one week where they lost, the rest of the season was great. They won so many games, but that one week, ooh. ooh Oh, and three. Got to get Neil and Scott's <laughs> takes on this one. Yeah, today on the show, you guys, we're going to talk about that 0-3 week and week recap. We're going to get to full court press, talk about how to watch this team without towns, what to watch for, you know. Uh, we have a sponsor. Uh, we're going to do, uh, do a little uh, power rankings, everybody. We need to, we need to rank. Um, we're going to do some positional rankings, uh, maybe over the course of uh, a couple a couple years, maybe, or maybe we'll do them all this year. I have no idea, but uh, we're going to rank um, all the Timberwolves shooting guards. We're going to rank the, the top 10 shooting guards in Timberwolves history today. Uh, we got weekly Wolfies and a game. We're doing all that today, Scott. Ooh, can't wait. Show. I was reading some of my notes. You know, sometimes I watch the games late at night and I take mm-hmm. notes and then I don't really remember what I wrote <laughs> down what until the, the next day. That's yeah. what the notes are for. Yeah. Apparently, I already named this episode Wolf's Cast 146 Garbage Time. <laughs> garbage Time. Because what a week for garbage time what it was. Yeah. I've already seen J.D. McDaniels play more NBA minutes Oof. this season than I thought I would see the entire year. Too many. Too many, potentially. But yeah, let's uh, let's jump into week recap here and talk about the three losses that happened uh, last Friday. The Wolves lost uh, to Washington 109-130. to uh, That was at Target Center. That was one we thought we might have a chance at after those two Westbrook's LA blowouts. We might have had a better chance if Westbrook played, <laughs> in hindsight, because without yeah. having to share the rock with Westbrook, who gets his stats, but, you know, it can really hurt his team in the process sometimes, we had to deal with the unleashed might of Bradley Beal. Ooh. Take as many shots as I want tonight. Ooh. Let me rest the whole fourth quarter. So good. He was great. Yeah, even without Westbrook, uh, Bradley Beal, best player on the floor Ooh. by far. True superstar, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, he usually can go out and get 30 points and look good, but hey, it's the Wolves. Let's go get 40, you know? <laughs> go go for even more. I think he had like 50 the other night or something. Yeah. He had like 52 points the other night, too, in a different game. So. Oh, so we heated, him, we heated him up and sent him to the next team. That's great. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Scott, this, other, this game was also notable for the premiere of uh, the Timberwolves City jerseys. How did you feel seeing them on the television screen? Yeah, they're fine. Okay. I, I, I don't like that. Lukewarm, lukewarm. 
Yeah, I just I don't like that they're like gray. You know, it's not really like black. The trim. Oh, I see. What you're you know, saying. when you look oh. at it, the black oh. on the jersey. It, it, maybe it was just you know the tint on my TV. Yeah, yeah. But they looked pretty, more. They looked dark. more of a dark gray. Yeah. Not like gray like the first year city edition. Of course. Jerseys, but like yeah, they weren't like a, a night. Interesting. Black. I haven't thought about that. I guess I can see what you mean, but I, I, when I when I see them on the screen, I think black. You know, but yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe I just serious. think the blacks could be darker, and if the blacks were darker, the greens would pop, more, pop, pop, pop. You know? Yeah, totally. But uh, you know, like we said, they were really not the most exciting jerseys to begin with. It just reaffirmed. We said earlier on the year season preview episodes. I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see them before I rank them above or below the MSP jerseys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. MSP's jerseys are definitely ranked above now that I've seen them in person. So number one, Prince jerseys. Number two, MSP. Number three. North Star, number four, whatever the first year. Well, yeah, it's funny because, like, called. in this season, you're saying in person, and it's like in person, uh, yeah. in person on means TV. On TV. Yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> we're not seeing, we all know what we're saying. not seeing them in person yeah. this year. <laughs> close as we're going to come. That's right. Yeah, maybe we'll go. Maybe eventually we'll be able to walk into the team store. What did you feel? It sounds like you liked it more than I did. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I, I think they. I'm still lukewarm on them overall, but I think they look nice on TV, and I still like the stars on the side, on the on the on, on the um the right side, and yeah, again, I. I really like a dark wolves jersey, even if it's a little bit not exactly. Black. I'll agree with that. The dark yeah. does work. We should always have a dark one in the yeah. rotation. Yeah, totally. Uh, what else about this game? I mean, it's kind of a blow. Wolves had a nice run to get close at halftime, but then like Washington just like came out of the gates nine zero after after halftime and like you know kind of re extended their lead. Yeah, like, oh it, yeah. It just felt like they never really struggled to get anything. You yeah. know, just whatever they wanted was there for them. Th- Thomas Bryant went off. There's a bunch of guys who had really good games like. Berton's only yeah. had like 11 points, but it was an easy 11 points. You know, it was oh, yeah. like he was missing shots. So one of those times where you're like, oh, I get to see, the, you know, who's on the deep end of the Washington Wizards bench. <laughs> yeah, let's see who they have. Who he uh, play four minutes. Who's their 11th guy. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a 40. So the Wolves got outscored in the third quarter, 40 to 14. <laughs> that is that is gnarly. It right was there. it was, like I said, another example of you ask yourself, if we played no defense at all, would it be better? How because would this be different? Yeah. they're just the easiest shots in the world. There's no pressure on these shots at all. And yeah. so... It really is just like shooting practice for the opposing team, and that's what we saw with Wizards. Totally. All right. Uh, so that was Friday, and uh, then the Wolves, uh, you know, pl- played uh, played the same team twice on Sunday and Tuesday, playing uh, home on uh, Sunday where they got beat uh, one hundred nine to one twenty four, and then on Tuesday, same team, but out on in, in their gym in their gym in Denver, one sixteen to one twenty three. So two games. We're going to see a lot of this this season as we record this. Uh, the Wolves are are going up against uh, Portland, but uh, upcoming we have a, a true back to back Saturday and Sunday nights against San Antonio. So that's just going to be uh, both in uh, town, both right here. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, you don't have to get on the plane. It must Talk be ab- so weird to like play one team and be like, all right, see you in two nights. Yeah, thousands of miles away. <laughs> yes, that that's weird. Like, why don't we just Definitely. stay here and keep playing? Like, right. why are we doing this? Like, well, what's also weird is you're going to get done the Spurs game. You're like, all right, guys, see you in twelve hours. You know that kind yeah. of thing where it's like, you yeah. know, you're going to go home, sleep, and come right back to the arena. <laughs> But it's weird, like the away stuff too in this season, because I mean, you have to play somewhere, I guess. But it's already been proven that like home court advantage is like it's way down this year. Like mm-hmm. it's like a fifty fifty split. Like there's really no home so far anyway. There's really been no home court advantage. For yeah, I read uh, that something somewhere this week that said this was the first year that home court or home field advantage in baseball was actually negative. Oh, interesting. Like, <laughs> Teams You're won more, more on the road yeah. than home teams. Yeah, home teams had a losing record at uh, home overall. So, um, yeah, obviously that 
you know, is interesting because baseball, you really get to know your home dimensions and stuff like that. Whereas yeah. basketball, it's pretty much just like sight lines, you mm. know, like yeah. that's what they're, Jim Pete was saying same. during the first half of the second Denver game when Wancho went off. Yeah. Wancho had a great first half, scored like 20 points. It was hitting threes, dunking on people, doing everything good. <laughs> it's like, who's this guy? But Jim was like, yeah, he got, you know, he's back to these comfortable Denver sight lines that he's used to. So I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Sometimes it feels like if that's the case, the Timberwolves should practice more often in the target center because I don't think we have our sight lines down that's in the target center. be good. Half your game's going to happen here. Right. We should just practice there as well. I mean, the building's not in use for anything else right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about that first Denver game quick. I mean, uh, Ed Davis and Juancho Hernan Gomez started um, in in that one. Uh, so that you know, the, the lineups are kind of in flux right now. Right. Things mm-hmm. are things are kind of changing a little. Well, bit. I thought it was nice because some people were saying, "Oh, is." Is is Wancho going to get a DNP, do not play by the co- coach decision <laughs> against Denver? How embarrassing will that be? But instead, right. Ryan, player's coach, said, you know what? I know this is a big game for there. you, Malik and Wancho. This yep. is your old team. Yep. And even, you know, you could argue Vanderbilt as well got, you know, more minutes. We're going to talk about him later on. He's mm-hmm. kind of the hot topic this week oh, because yeah. what else are you going to talk about? Um, but all three of those Denver guys we acquired last year got big minutes against Denver. And yeah. I think that, you know, I don't know if that's why they played well or it's what. no coincidence. But, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Jokic foul trouble in this game, which kind of helped get things close. You know, the Wolves, again, much like in that Washington game, hung around for the first uh, first part of the game. But, uh, you know, in, in that Washington game, it was the third quarter where they got blown out. But uh, in this game, this first Denver game, they hung around to the fourth. But Denver started the fourth quarter 17-2 to two run. Put things out of reach. I didn't know Paul Stephen. Millsap could hit threes like that. Oh, he had so many open shots in oh both my God. these games. Oh my gosh! Turn back the clock night for Paul so, Millsap. So so good, yeah. But really, both these games, he was good. So yeah, then the Wolves take it to Denver, and you know, still lost. But I think this was, you know, more of an encouraging game as far as keeping things close throughout. Really, right? There was well, uh, the first quarter was one of the worst quarters that we played. That was bad. Yeah, it wasn't quite the Washington yep. forty to fourteen or whatever. But yep. it was it was a, like a twenty point lead. I think it was eight, eighteen point lead after the first they were down 18 you're already folding it in in your mind you're saying okay well this is going to be another one of those games tonight how much garbage time we're going to get and we made the miraculous run that's right on one hand i don't think this run happens if denver didn't Mm. you know they played us in the first game sussed Mm -hmm. us out and like clearly this was the case of a better team sensing a worse team and being like we don't really have to try until the end uh, Jokic doesn't care about getting these fouls, you know, and having to sit down because he knows it's just against the Timberwolves, you know, and he's yeah. going to get whatever he wants in the fourth quarter. And pretty much the, when Denver wanted to put us away, they put us away. And so it's kind of weird to say like, oh, yeah, we made this run. But I'm pretty sure it was just because Denver's bench unit in the second quarter was like, oh, we don't care that much. You know, <laughs> like, it was a 34 to 14 Timberwolves run to end, great. end the half. And yeah, I mean, I think we're going to talk about this here in full court press, but it's like, how do you watch this year? What are we watching for this year? And, you know, I think you know that was part of the reason why I think uh, you know you know we're also going to talk about Jared Vanderbilt, but like that was the stretch he he first got in there and really started like wreaking havoc and like you know getting some steals and some deflections and stuff like that. So I think it's important, even though it ultimately didn't matter. They still lose the game. You still were up against a better team, but it kind of showed that you were capable of this and, and that you had guys who could like contribute in these ways. And even if it is just like kind of you know the moral victory or whatever you have, you yeah. 
after all these terrible, terrible losses, it, it does at least feel good to watch the team try, you know? Yes. Because that's given some of the criticism is that sometimes it looks like the team is just like, oh, we're done. You know, let's not try that. Pack hard. it in. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of go through the motions. And some players are worse than others at that. And I think that just to see them, you know, not giving up when they're down 18 is at least, you know, slightly encouraging. I mean, the main reason the Timberwolves lost this game is Denver shot 49 free throws. Yeah. Uh, Jokic had 35, 15, and 6. In this game, and D'Lo had a nice night, 33 points. Uh, I think he had like 11 assists, assists as well. And then uh, Wancho had 24, as you mentioned. Wancho had a big game here. And it's hard, though, especially with him and with Vanderbilt. It's like I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical of these like awesome nights against your old team, yeah. <laughs> both for motivation and just more like tactical stuff of like, oh, I know the, all these players' moves. I know where they're going. Right. I know how to defend well, them. Well, it's also like Wancho, I'm going to go dunk on Jokic. He's my buddy. He's not going to hit me and foul me hard on this. You <laughs> right, know? right. That's funny. There's a little bit of comfortable yes. there where you're like, these are my friends. They're not going to kill me me on this be okay you know? yeah so you know but it is one of those things where you know there's a lot of reasons why we've been bad and we've been talking about it for weeks but uh the idea of a three-point heavy barrage from the timberwolves every night mostly we've been missing even though we have better shooters now but that second quarter just kind of goes to show you what if they all started falling if right. everything started falling so maybe it's just a case of the luck going our way a little bit because Juan showed like i said got super hot that was fun to watch in the first half yeah he had like non-ex- five threes non-existent in the second half unfortunately mm, missed, but missed him um, yeah, and so like that second quarter was just a time where everything started falling. Um, friend of the show, uh, often co-host of this show, Robert um, Brewer. Everybody, uh, you know, we, we have been talking about for years um, this phenomenon that happens seems to happen to the Timberwolves, where um, certain players who you know are maybe role players. Bench players, rookies, uh, you know, guys you might not have heard too much about come in and have a just crazy night. Career night. Against the team. Set a career high. Yeah. Like, last year, one that sticks out in my mind is Mo Wagner oh, from the yeah, Wizards from last year came yeah. in and had a career night. And a lot of times, you, know, you look at a player's best scoring night in their career, it's against the Timberwolves. And it's like, why is this random person beating us tonight? I, I'm sure this happens to a lot of teams. But boy, when you watch every team, every game of the Timberwolves season, it sure feels like it happens to you a lot. So uh, we've been searching for a name um, for this uh, type of phenomenon and we got it this week um, from friend of the show Jim Peterson um, and he, he he nicknamed this the off-brand player he I, said something like I hate I, it when I you got the quote right here oh, yeah, yeah. He I say? hate when these off-brand players come and hurt you off the bench <laughs> there you go and uh, so so well, you know when this happens we're going to start you know giving out the, an award for this and we're going to name it the off-brand player of the week so who do we have this week Scott for our off-brand player of the week I'm glad you asked this came from our first game against Denver. It's a player. Have you heard of him? Maybe not. Facundo. I don't know if that's how you yeah, pronounce I think you it. say Facundo. Campazzo. Campazzo. And he, in 21 minutes, had 15 points. He was 5 of 7 from 3. Rebound, 2 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. And, as Jim Pete will note, a great flop. A Ooh. flop that really ticked to Jim Pete off. That's a Euro flop right there. I'm really, the ref I'm, should be watching for that one of these Euro guys, Scott. That was a epic flop on Nas Reed right there. Uh, it's always it's you an know anticipation call right there. It's it like, of, oh yeah, there's a five, there's a seven foot guy running to a uh, five ten guy. We're gonna call a charge right away. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it's kind of like one of those things where sometimes I see a little bit of like early Ricky, where it's like Composo's yeah. just taking these little advantages, and you're like, well, I can't hate, you know. Yeah, but um, let's see, that game was his career high in points, All I, right. I believe. Yeah, in his short NBA season so far. Yep. I mean, yeah. He is, and his his next best game of his career was also against the Wolves two nights later. There you go. 
Uh, so Before we wrap up a uh, week recap here, Scott, you have uh, you have some stats about how many quarters have the Timberwolves won this yeah, season? I was Help just wondering, out. you know, early in the first quarter of that second Denver game when they kind of went on that huge run. Yeah. I was like, how many quarters have we even won this season? <laughs> so I went through the list, uh, nine quarters out of 28 possible quarters. I thought it was interesting to break it down a little bit. In the Pistons game, we, we won the second and fourth quarter. In the Jazz game, we won the first and second. Lakers, we didn't win a quarter. Clippers, we won the fourth quarter, but it was all garbage time. Wizards, we won the second quarter and the mostly garbage time fourth quarter. Nuggets, first game is the only third quarter we've won all season. It's always been a sticking point for the Wolves. And then in the Nuggets' second game, it was that second quarter that we talked about. So few and far between uh, the quarters that we're, we are winning. So yes, it is a, it has been as bad as you've thought. You have been watching them get blown out of quarters. And I think notable is that you haven't had two in a row. The Jazz game is the only night you've had two quarters in a row where you won. you gotta, you got to yeah. win quarters in a row here to, uh, to win games. Yeah, and two of these quarters were garbage time guys getting mm-hmm. big minutes, you know? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, uh, J-Mac wanted it more than the bench unit for Nuggets or whatever, you know. All right, onward to full court press. Here's the tip. All right, we, uh, we, we got to get to full court press. And the first thing we want to talk about here today is uh, things, are, things are tough in Timberwolves' world right now. And that's because, obviously, the Wolves' best player is not on the team right now. He's, he's still dealing with the dislocated left wrist. Who knows how much longer it will be. It could be a few days. It could be a few weeks. I'm going to argue Carl Anthony Town should be the MVP. Because the drop off from him, like when he's on the court to when he's off the court, has got to be greater than any other other player. Because we are once again undefeated this season when he plays, and we are a dumpster fire. Like we are second. This was another question I had watching that Denver game. I'm like, we have to be last place in the league in opposing field goal percentage. I looked it up today. We are uh, just a few decimals of a percentage point ah, better than the Pistons. 29th. 29th in opposing field goal percentage. And then also our shooting stuff, we basically have the worst defense in the league and one of the top three worst offenses in the league. And so, and you have to, I think this, yeah, this definitely is like an MVP type of idea here, but it's also like shows you how much the team is built around him, right? Especially yeah. like Russell is the most important thing here, I think, because it's like, oh yeah, this is your second best player supposedly, but he's like awful out there without talent. And it's like, yeah, really the whole idea of this is pick and roll with Towns. And, uh, you know, they haven't really got to do that at all this year. So uh, you're going to have bad results. So so the question is, like, why are we watching? What are we watching for? What are the things? Because the wins aren't going to be there. And even if they are there, it's like, what does it even matter if your best player, like your whole system revolves around, isn't playing? Like what sort of, you know, valuable data is being is being uh, administered here? So uh, let's talk about this a little bit, Scott. Like what sort of um, what sort of things is there to look for? What, what, what sort of advice, I guess, would we give? Yeah, to I don't know if frustrated. there's like <laughs> meaningful stuff to watch because yeah. like I said, teams just are not taking us seriously. So it's like, yeah, we got on a great run against Denver, but were they even trying? It's hard to tell, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's hard, really hard to tell, especially when most of these games are garbage time and you're yeah. running stuff that you definitely wouldn't run if you had Cat here. But um, I think something that was interesting this week was, you know, 
Russell had a bad first week, and then he had a really bad game against the Wizards. And the media story was kind of like, why has he been so bad? You know, the the question on Reddit was, you know, why is he so bad? And I said on Reddit, I took one of the things you told me, and I don't think we've said it on the pod yet. I think mm. it was just something you said in passing to me. But you said your issue with D'Lo is that he needs a screen to do any kind of action. Like mm-hmm. if he doesn't get a screen, he just can't do anything. Yeah, he's not athletic enough. He doesn't have the moves. And yeah. once you once you start watching his game with that in mind, you'll see how true that is. And I think that that's very much the reason why we switched to Ed Davis as, at center starting for the last two games yep. instead of Nas is because Ed sets better screens he's than the Nas. He's the best screener on the team. And yep. uncle Coincidentally, that's the two best games Russell has pretty <laughs> much they had played this together. They yeah. have a history together, yeah. right? Exactly. So yeah. I think that you know that was definitely a move that was made to get D'Lo going. I think that's yeah. a huge uh, kind of inset or something that the whole team is trying to get to go right now. Is without cats, we got to get D'Lo going, or mm-hmm. else we're really in trouble. So I think everybody's trying to get him going. So that's one thing to keep an eye on is just what the screening situation is for a guy like D'Lo who needs it so much. Yeah, because even if they don't have a player on the team who can you know be a facsimile for Towns, although maybe Nas Reed is sort of that as like sort of a stretchy kind of center, although Nas hasn't really shot the three ball very much this year already. You know, you just like to see, okay, if this was Towns, could could it work? And could there be something there? And so, yeah, I think that's right to show how it could work, especially with D'Lo, with the ball in his hands. How does that happen? Um, For me, it's really just about watching individual players and kind of seeing where they are at. Because I think the whole team concept is kind of thrown out the window without Towns and without a Kogi. Um, So, you know, again, the wins aren't going to be there. And the sort of the way they play isn't really going to match up to how they want to play when they're at full strength here. But I think we can glean some information from how individual players are. Um, You know, are they in shape? Uh, You know, like, is their shot falling? What have they added to their games? Or what is like uh, falling off maybe? Um, So, you know, I think there's a couple things. I think like, you know, continue to watch like Culver has been interesting um, as far as his progression. Just the young guys in general. Culver, uh, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is always fun to watch. His minutes are always fun to watch. Yeah, and I think how, especially how they play um, doesn't really matter if Carl's on the floor or not, right? Like it's it's their their progressions and the things they've added, um, especially in Culver's um, in the sense of Culver, it doesn't have a lot to do with whether you know he's not playing he's not playing two man ball with Carl that much, right? right? Like unlike D'Lo, where there's sort of a direct connection, Culver and a couple other young guys, Beasley maybe. These are players who, you know, you just kind of got to watch to see where they are right now because that could be additive once you bring Carl back in. Speaking of Jarrett Culver, mm. it's one of my big notes from the past week. Uh-oh. You know how people say he makes it look easy? That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a phrase. Something yeah. people say about, oh, man, he's so good. Patrick Mahomes is so good at throwing a football. He makes it look easy. <laughs> yeah. Jarrett Culver makes everything look hard, especially huh. dunking. Like, there was a two-handed mm. flush that he dunked and it came out of the rim and fell out, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, man – no one makes dunking look harder than Jarrett Culver. And then there's a couple he's very other athletic. So it's like he can get up really easily, yeah. but I think there's something yeah. about his hands, putting the ball through the rim that he has a problem. with. Yeah. He's got a lot of rim outs, you know, he gets there, but then like, Oh yeah, just like squats yeah, he, out. He's got yeah. the athleticism. We've seen him. Yeah. He's got the hops. And then, and I think it's not like a D low thing where he barely has the hops to get up there. You know, I think the finishing has improved a little bit, but yeah. unfortunately we still have seen a couple of those where it's like, Oh, that should have gone in. That should have been two. Right? I have a couple more of these. Neil. <laughs> Go ahead. They say he makes it look easy, but Ed Davis makes offensive putbacks look hard. I've always been like, this is a really hard thing. When I play pickup ball, like I've never gotten an offensive putback. It just seems random. You're just hitting it up there. Tap, or do you mean a specific pull it back down? No, you're just tapping it back in. Like it, it it looks. You know, NBA players make it look easy because you're right there. 
it just feels so hard. You know, I'm, I'm six two, so it's not the same. Like my hands aren't right there in the way yeah, that a yeah, six yeah. ten player's hands yeah. are. But at the same time, it's just like you're. It just looks so. In, in person, you just feel like you're smacking it, and it's a random chance, you know. Mm-hmm. And Ed Davis looks like that's what's happening because he's had so many possessions where it's offensive rebound, offensive rebound, put back. He missed all three, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like he makes it look hard. And then Ricky making layups look hard still. Um, it, it was a little funny at the beginning to be like, oh, that's that trademark Ricky Rubio blown point blank free layup. Yeah. And then he's done it like three or four times this season where it's just. You know, if he's got someone guarding him and he has to like put on a little extra burst to get to the rim, he's fine. But when he's wide open, nobody around him, clear look at the rim, can't do it. It's like he overthinks it or something at that point. Yeah, it's very Jarrett Culver yippish kind yeah, of sense. But yeah, it's tough. It, it's just not funny anymore. It was, it was a little actually. It's mostly discouraging, but still a little bit funny. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know any other things we'll watch for without Towns. I think um, you know, I think the defense is potentially something here where it's like. Towns is not known as a good defender. We're trying to get to the point where he is at least average. And it's funny how, like, at this point now, we're like, oh, we got to get Towns back for defensive purposes. <laughs> or it's like, right. what? How did this happen? Like, Ooh. that's really the scary thing about this season. And we kind of, you know, it's not that it came out of nowhere. We expected this team to be very good on offense and very bad on defense. And but instead, to be, they've been very bad on be, both. To be 30th in defense. Um, without Towns, who's not going to be adding you very much, is extremely, extremely concerning, I would say, yeah. for this team. Um, so that's something else to watch. Well, it's just not that it's been good, where... but just like how does how does this improvement happen? Is there players who can become good defensive together, good defensively together? And are there groups out there where you can get to be a little bit better than last in the league on defense? Right. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's just one of those things. It's the same with like our rebounding is terrible right now. Our, like I was saying earlier, D'Lo was struggling yeah. with his, he doesn't have any good screeners on the team anymore. And yeah. it's just like all of these are the natural extension. And like we don't get into transition because we're not grabbing boards as much. All of this is a, an extension of the decision to only have one big on our team. We decided we only need one guy who's taller than 6'9", and this is what happens. And everything's falling apart, and it's not even competitive. And I think that it's it gives you that kind of feeling like last year where it's like we don't have a roster that was put together for cohesion and competition. We have a roster that's uh, full of assets that can be turned into other things yeah. because this team doesn't fit together as constructed. It, it's a failure of team construction, you know? And I think that's been pretty obvious. I think in terms of defense, I like to watch D'Lo for a couple possessions at a time, just see like how the offense is going to get the ball to the guy wherever D'Lo is, like the way the offense seeks out D'Lo on defense and like yeah. and all the things that we do to try Dribble and cover handoffs. up how bad he is. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll watch him for some possessions. I also think something that is kind of fun, I saw it just a flash of it because generally we haven't talked about how bad Ricky has been this year. Ricky's been bad and not not – you know, just like we talked about the layups and stuff and there's the typical Ricky Rubio problems, but he's been throwing bad passes, which is something I've never seen Ricky do in his career. He's multiple bad passes a game where it's like, not only was that a poor decision, but the execution was also really off, you know? Yeah, that's that's all, to me, that's all like, uh, you know, this team hasn't played together, short, pre- short preseason, short training camp. Like a lot of teams can point to this, but I think especially the Wolves have so many guys who have never played together. So yeah, it, you, to your point, it has been bad, but, but it's I did something notice- that I think will be clean. 
lined up shortly. I forget what game it was this week, but it was Ricky had to stretch with the bench unit where it was old school Ricky Rubio running the offense, having a clear plan for what's going to happen this possession, next possession. Now it's your turn, and he's mm-hmm. he's orchestrating the offense. He's getting guys open. He's making the plays, and there was just a solid stretch run where we were the offense was functioning and looked like it was operating with an intention that I haven't seen all season, and that was kind of cool because it was like, oh yeah, Ricky Rubio can structure this offense. Where sometimes it feels like with D'Lo, it's just like who can get the best shot off, you know. <laughs> But Ricky's like, no, we're, we're running an offense. So I'm going to be watching that, too, to see if he can get some more stretches like that going. He's hitting up. we got to get the Mandalorian theme song parody. I know, Bando. we should. Okay, yeah, we got to work on that for, for coming dun, dun, up here. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, yeah. We Bando. Got, uh, yes, Mr. Vanderbilt has, uh, has found his way. Into the rotation, as it seems. Again, we are recording this during the Portland game, so we don't at least know for how one more night. Go. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Because but once once Okogi comes back, he's technically the eleventh man on the rotation. Yeah. Then, so we'll see. So yeah, Jared Vanderbilt gets uh, gets thrown in there, and uh, you know he played some played some garbage minutes in some of the first games, some of those LA games and some preseason and stuff like that. But uh, you know, in that second uh, Denver game, he he put in there in the second quarter. He was in the regular rotation. And uh, there's much rejoicing. Many, many Wolves fans were, were ready to see Jared Vanderbilt uh, out there uh, playing, playing basketball, running around, bringing the energy, grabbing rebounds, playing defense with that, that lefty, that big left arm, skying up, getting goaltends left and right. First one should have been a goaltend. The second one was a goaltend. Um, but what, what, Scott, what do you think about uh, Jared Vanderbilt and what you saw from him in the Denver game and uh, kind of overall? I've got lots of thoughts, Neil. I've got lots of thoughts, but mostly fun to watch. He brings an energy that's lacking. Um, like we've said before, Cat and D'Lo, even when they're going really well, they're very laid back. They they play their own style of game. They're not going to yeah. play the energy and hustle game against you. And yeah. and but that's Jared Vanderbilt's whole thing. And you could see that he ticked off Jokic doing that, just being the kind of guy who's going for every mm-hmm. loose ball and being really aggressive, a little chaotic, yeah. maybe a little crazy out there, like a little too wild. It's all right when you're thirtieth on defense, you'll take it. Right, exactly. We just need any kind of spark right now, <laughs> yeah. and especially like you see the you see the weight of these. Not only is it a five-game losing streak, it's a five-game getting blown out streak pretty mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. And I, you yep. just see it happening to the players, the regular rotation guys, that they just start to sag a little bit in their body. You can read the body language. And Vanderbilt is just bringing that crazy energy that we need. This team hasn't had enough of it in a long time, honestly. And uh, you know, just having that kind of force on the floor can really energize other players who will feed off of that. Yeah, and it's, it's as much of a coaching tool as anything else where it's like, oh, you're not going to do it? Well, this guy's going to play then because he might not be as skilled as you, but he's going to bust his ass, so he's in, you're not. And I hope I hope that, you know, it's, it's an incredibly complicated situation politically of yeah. who you're going to sit Wancho, yeah. layman, when you, you know, and but contracts it is stuff, important, yeah. though, to have somebody like that who is like, this guy's working harder than you, and I will play him over you if you don't. <laughs> start working harder yes he's like you can be made an example of or something (laughs) but i do think this is like the prototypical the wolves are so bad let's focus on the 13th man on the bench like last season Nas was the guy who like showed a spark yeah Yeah. it was like let's all put all of our hopes and dreams on Nas, you know (laughs) and so i think there's always one of these guys i remember when chris johnson was the guy during that mikhail jalabal season and stuff and it was just like wow he had like five blocks in the first half and you know people were giving him mvp chance at games and it's just like (laughs) 
Chris Johnson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's always a random, barely getting uh, minutes kind of guy who we just want to obsess about because yeah. on paper the numbers say maybe per 36 there's something there. And I think it's funny now because now Vanderbilt has two camps of fans. There's one, <laughs> the, we love you guys, the bloggers, the hardcore analytic guys, the, yes. the podcasters who Big had nerd. such a long layoff this summer mm. that they had to just so ready. really draw you know water from the stone <laughs> or blood from the stone you know yeah. in terms of content. And so some of the guys really became fond of Vanderbilt yeah. because he was a guy you could dive into. I have a photo here it of played. him working out over the summer. It's on his Twitter. Oh, yeah. You can find it. He's just jacked. Yeah. He's jacked. Yeah. And it's funny because you see him on a basketball court and then he looks pretty <laughs> slight again, you know, in his Twitter. Oh, run, yeah. like, this guy's huge. But then standing next to Jokic, you're like, oh, he's still got kind of a slight frame, even though he's very muscular. Uh, and that's the next place I want to go with this because mm. I'm I'm into to Vando getting minutes, being out there, especially if other guys aren't, aren't uh, showing up. But I have a problem with him being the backup five. Like the only reason he played is because Nas Reed was in foul trouble. And oh, I mean, beyond you know all the stuff we just talked about about him actually you know hustling and stuff. But th- that was ultimately why he got out there is because Nas Reed picked up a bunch of fouls real quick on Jokic. And then it's like Vando has to go guard Jokic. So I I guess I'd rather see him take the layman minutes of like a backup four. You know, if you have Wancho kind of starting at the four, I'd rather see Vando be the the, the the backup in that way rather than have him back up towns or 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 some you know or kind of take Ed Davis's minutes or something like that. He's just so small. He's six nine. It's tough with basketball because so you, thin. You want to give the same. You want to give your rotation predictable minutes. Give players yeah. predictable times. You'll be coming into the game here. You'll be exiting at this time. And apparently, players perform best under that. So it's not like baseball where you can say, "Hey, we're going against a pitcher who's left-handed. Let's get all the righties in the lineup today." Because mm. I do think that. He would Vanderbilt fits. He does something nobody else on this team does. So if Layman isn't the right matchup or Wancho isn't the right man, matchup that night, Vanderbilt might be because yeah. he brings something that definitely those two don't. But he brings something that uh, I don't think anyone else on this team does, just in terms of his chaos and disruption. You know, I mean, it's chaos, but it's also chaos for the other team. You can throw them off their game, especially when they get really comfortable, like they've been getting comfortable yeah. against the Wolves' defense. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a role for that. But unfortunately, I just I don't know if Ryan's going to be the guy to disrupt rotations, especially right when Lehman and Wancho are struggling. You really want them to kind of find a steady groove that they can rely on. So it's tough. But Hard to pull them in like the first few weeks. In a perfect world, I think that there's something where you're like, you know what? We just need something that's a wild card right now to just change up what's happening. Let's give Vanderbilt a handful of minutes, you know, and see what he can do out there. Yeah, might as well at this point. <laughs> Right, there's a lot, not uh, not much else going on. So but the second well. group of fans that I was saying, there's the analytics guys mm-hmm. who fell in love over the summer, and, the and now there's going to be the casuals who are like, he's working hard. I respect that <laughs> because that's part of Delo's game. Eye testing, Jim Pete's yeah. kind of been defending Delo this past week because Delo, like I said, even when he's going great, he's nonchalant, uh-huh. and so a lot of people can see him and be like, he's not trying just because he looks so cool and collected at all times. And so I think, especially for the sort of kind of casual Minnesota sports fan that values hustle over, yeah. you know, you know, hard work and hustle over talent, it, it, it'll make Jarrett Vanderbilt a very easy guy to root for for those fans. He's on fire! All right, last thing here in Full Court Press, Scott, the Iowa Wolves Woo-hoo. will be playing basketball this season. The Timberwolves uh, G League affiliate uh, will be one of the 18 teams uh, who will be uh, playing in the in the bubble, in the G League bubble, right. I'm Scott. sorry, sorry, Des Moines. Sorry, Des Moines, you don't get a team. Sorry, Wells Fargo. Sorry, sorry, Alpha. I don't think the mascots are packing up and going to the bubble. Alpha Wolf. Even though he's got a great mask already. Yeah. Never takes it off. But the team, uh, the the Iowa Wolves are are one of the teams in. Only 18 are playing out of uh, 28 or something like that. 27 maybe. It's not quite one-to-one yet. Right. 
But yes, the, the, they will be playing. Yeah, there's, there's 11 a, franchises that, is, that are not okay. going. Yep. So, you know, we were wondering. Apparently, it was going to be uh, $500,000 uh, you got to pay in cover to, fee. to play. Yeah. Half a million cover dollar charge. Cover, cover charge into the <laughs> Disney bubble. That's right. Yeah, you got to go down there and play. But uh, Glenn ponied up. Shout out to him. You know, sometimes he's been cheap, but not this time around. You know, he's. He's uh, paying to have his guys play. And the interesting thing about this is obviously not like a full season. It's going to just be a couple weeks. And each team is expected to play uh, 12 to 15 games. Tip-off is set for February 8th. Put it on your schedule. Playoffs it might start March 5th. So right. less than a calendar month there. February's already the shortest month, everybody. Remember, this is not leap year like last year. Yeah, so, so not, a lot of, not a lot of games, which I think uh, is going to be cool. It's going to be a cool like, mid-season tournament, I guess, in a way, to have them down there. Hopefully a lot of it will be televised. And see what some of these guys can do. Maybe uh, was it Jaden? Jaden McDaniel's. Jaden McDaniel's. Jaden Noel. Jaylen, get yeah. those guys going, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and maybe it's one of those things where if we're really sure of the rotation, maybe Jared Vanderbilt will be MVP of this year's summer league. You know, yeah. or bubble league. Let's go. Yeah, the bubble league. But, but yeah, uh, yeah. Canis Hoopis uh, obviously wrote wrote the thing up here. Uh, Kyle uh, had a piece on this. So there'll be a lot more information in the show notes if you want to dig into that. What else are you saying, Scott? Well, this is our fifth or sixth year doing the podcast. Podcast, and I just want to point out, like, there's a lot of things where, you know, it feels like being a Timberwolves fan, you're just treading water. Like, this franchise, like, yeah. it goes for every step forward, it takes, it also takes a step back. And, it, and sometimes you can just feel like it's been 10 years. Are we <laughs> any better or worse than right. we were 10 years where ago? Are we? But one great thing, one thing that we just hated at the beginning of this podcast was we didn't have a G League affiliate. And when they asked if the Wolves wanted to have their own, they're like, no, we'll split the Sioux Falls Sky Force with the Miami Heat. With like multiple other teams. And yeah. you were seeing all the smart teams in the league had their own affiliation, were using their mm-hmm. programs as an extension of their, uh, major league club and yeah. you same know, system right exactly and so yeah. we were just like this is something that the wolves should be acing because we're so bad at these other things this is something that you could do without needing like the premium free agents to sign in minneapolis or anything like that and it just bugged me and uh, you know rosas came in and they really took care of all of that and i just think that the fact that glenn is paying half a million dollars to get these guys to go play for like 12 games maybe <laughs> yeah it just shows a lot i think that yeah. you know we we uh Glenn's a complicated. We have a complicated relationship That's with right. Glenn. Mostly negative, but we we're not blind to the positives. That's and one right. of the positives is Glenn's paying for these guys to do this. And so yeah. a little shout out to Glenn there. Absolutely, you know he don't know shit about basketball. <laughs> we gotta to KG. give we gotta give uh, credit where credit's due. But here's I, some credit. You yeah. opened you opened up your pocket and paid for him to go to the bubble because you know it's a bad look for these eleven franchises that aren't yes. doing it. Yes, and sort of another trust the process like kind of move here too. Or it's Sioux like, Falls this Sky is, Force not going to the bubble. Ah, no no Sky Force. Sorry. Sioux Falls. All right, that does it for Full Court Press. Time to get to our sponsor. Let's make some cash here, Scott. Let's uh, let's chill out here. Let's uh, let's get to uh, who we have sponsoring this episode of Wolf's Cast. Who we got? The history of on-court NBA headwear is rich and storied. From Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Walton to Allen Iverson and LeBron James, the headband has been adorned by the legends of the game for decades. Getting sweat in your eye is annoying and painful. Imagine spotting your teammate executing a sweet backdoor cut. But just as you're about to pass the ball, a single bead of sweat hits your eye, causing you to throw the ball out of bounds. Your lack of headband just cost you two points. More importantly, headbands are a stylish pop of color to help accessorize your on-court look. If you've got a boring head, wrap some cloth around that dome and upgrade your outfit. The latest trend in NBA headwear is the extra-wide headband. Fans of the Timberwolves are all too familiar with this fact. D'Angelo Russell, Josh Okogie, 
and Jared Vanderbilt are just a few Minnesota players who are choosing wide headbands to keep their sweat and hair out of their eyes this season. Extra wide headbands are proud to bring their patented double width technology to trap and wick away up to 66% more sweat than traditional styles. This innovative company asks the tough questions like, is wider better? And can we charge more for these? The answer, yes and yes. So the next time you're shopping for things to wear on the basketball court, let the width be your guide. Keep your head dry. Choose extra wide. Thank you to extra wide headbands for their support of Wolfskins. Up next, it's time for Power Rankings. Power. 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 All right, we got to rank it. We, uh, we, uh, we have a mission, and that mission is to rank Timberwolves shooting guards. We've never done this before. There's multiple positions in the game of basketball, and we've never... Ranked the Timberwolves players. There's in never. Positions. I mean, Timberwolves. We know they've been bad. They've been bad. Not a lot of good players. But we've had a few legends come through. Mm. Absolutely, you know. Mm. And you know, we've had not. And even if they aren't legends, we have had some all-star kind of talent come through. And they've played every position but the shooting guard. I mean, <laughs> off the top of your head, you can name some. You know, all-time great power forwards like Kevin Garnett, great center Carl Anthony Towns. You yeah. get some fun point guards like Stefan Marbury and Ricky Rubio or yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a range of uh, kind of Wayne's small forward type guys. But the shooting guard has always been the oh, position of need for it, your it, favorite franchise. It really has been. And you know what? Even if, you know, these players aren't household names and some of them, you know, fans of other teams would be like, who? Who's that? This is this is about the Timberwolves. It's all relative. OK, so these might not be uh, the best players in the world. But for the Wolves at their position. Uh, they they were or are so uh, we got we got to break it down I guess uh, we should go over some some of the kind of criteria yeah. by which we're ranking them because like any list that you hear on the internet this one is objective it is actually what is the best ten so this isn't just our opinions this is actually it and so if you think something different you're wrong because mm-hmm. this is actually objectively the power correct power rankings yeah, the shooting is, guards this is the show this so is we the uh, we factored in things like how long did they play for the wolves did they just have a short amazing season. Or did they, you know, play mediocrely? Mediocrely. <laughs> yeah, that's not a word. Did they play like a very average level for 10 years with the team? Yes. We also factored in stuff like did they play playoff games? And like did yeah. how many of their games were at the shooting guard position? Because sometimes that's a fluid position, you know, where you can yeah. start some games at small forward or even point guard depending on who you are. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, there's lots of guys who were kind of more like 2-3 or maybe they're more of a point guard and sometimes played the two. But we tried to focus on the guys who really played the bulk of their minutes at the shooting guard for the Wolves. And, yeah, like we said, it's really hard to compare against uh, eras. Uh, it's really hard to compare uh, the shorter, you know, short uh, tenure guys versus, you know, guys who played multiple seasons with the team. But this is the best we could do. It's especially at this position. It was very, very hard. Uh, but sh- so we start at ten and work our way up to one, Scott. That's or are we the way. Go let's the other go. Way? Okay, no, I have it backwards. Go. Then so I should. That's fine. I'm smart. Should have done that the up. other way around. You know. Um, okay, so we got ten of them here. Let's rip through them, Scott. What do we got? Number ten. 
Number 10 is Corey Brewer. Uh, fan favorite, everyone. One of the few 50-point scorers. Man, we were talking about all the guys who'd never scored 30. That night, Corey like, scored 30 for the first time, 40 for the first time, and 50 for the first time. Yeah, but, yeah that's funny. Um, we love Corey. He's been around for a long time. I think the number one thing putting him at 10 is that he technically played almost all of his minutes here at small forward. So that, that was a little knock against his, his, his ranking. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I think it was maybe more like 50-50, but you know, I, I definitely when I uh, first conceived this list, I didn't I didn't have him on here because I thought of him more as a small forward, uh, maybe just due to his you know his size, his defense, and stuff like that. But yeah, Corey, you know he's bringing up the rear here on, on the ten just because you know the team the team also wasn't good during that time, right? Like right. some of these other guys you'll see later like have playoff experience and and stuff like that. And you know Corey was sort of a high draft pick, like lottery lottery pick into the lottery, right? Yeah, it was like thirteenth or something, or was it was he higher? Maybe he was like sixth or or something like that but you know Corey Brewer and again he's a, he's a reoccurring wolf he left and then came back so you know a little bit of uh pick number know, seven in seven, the 2007 yeah. draft a lot, maybe a little bit of emotional pick here because he's so beloved by the franchise but yeah we'll, we'll put Corey down happy there to have ten. Corey on the list any day of the week <laughs> absolutely all right number nine number nine Zach Levine old friend Zach Levine I know I know what the argument is one he wasn't here very long and yeah. two I remember when he was the point guard, actually, the, point the guard rookie season when we tanked for Cat, and he was actually yeah. the point guard for that season. But even but, that wasn't the whole season. It was like uh, it was like the, the final like two-thirds. Or I think something. there's two different worlds here with Zach Levine. I think, you know, and it still happens to this day. Zach Levine is not nearly as good as he is famous. It's even questionable, really, yeah, if whether dunk he's a dunk contest stuff. Yeah, and that's just it. He's a dunk contest superstar, you know, author of two of the best three dunk contests of all time, you know? <laughs> like, author. that's how good he was. And yeah. I can't... Stress enough how famous the dunk contest gets you. It's the kind of thing that gets you on like elementary school folders and talking you know, on the playground and basketball cards and stuff like that. People know you. It's it, All Star Weekend, and you're the only person on the court doing that thing. Right. Like, that's so rare. Right? And it's and it's something that appeals to all ages in a way totally. that like a three point shootout doesn't or anything totally. like that. So yeah. um, I think that you know he's very famous for that, even though he never really played that great for the Wolves. But he, another great kid that we love to cheer for, root for, and you know. In terms of all the shooting guards on the list, this is definitely one of the best shooters. You know? and, and this is someone, you know, this ranking, this list is only players for their time in Minnesota. Right. So we're only talking about Zach's seasons, his games with the Wolves. But out of all these guys, he might, uh, aside from one of them, he might end up being the best player out of like all these guys, like having the best career. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, again, that doesn't go into this, but it's kind of, it kind of makes him be on this list at he's, least. Yeah, he's on here for a, more because how fun he is. Like, yeah. not just in the dunk contest but also the athleticism in the games remember how much fun it was to watch yeah. him uncork a dunk during he was, the game uh, he was the flip saunders home Ooh. run home run swing right there with this with the pick <laughs> ball is still in the air it's like it's one of those ones where it's like is it going to go over the fence is it not it's you just know. hanging yep all right let's go to number eight number this is eight. a very spiritual kind of cousin of zach levine this yeah. is the zach levine of the 90s his name is jr Ryder. isaiah Ryder. ever heard of him only three seasons with the team 229 games that's a lot of games to play in three seasons it is i thought he would be here for longer though but that's that's a lot of games that's almost every game so similarly famous for being in the dunk contest yep. winning east, the dunk contest east bay funk that's right, right. there so known as a dunker, known as kind of a bad boy, you know, kind yeah. of a wild uh, personality. Drug problems. Yeah. And uh, 
You know, I think he gets a slight bump over Levine here by the mere fact that he was on the roster in NBA Jam. He was on the Timberwolves team. Christian, that, count, that counts for a lot. Christian Leitner, Chuck Person, and he was the best of the three of them, Isaiah Ryder. So, you know, we were the right age when those games came out, and they still hold a special place in our hearts. So that moves him up to the number eight spot, I think. Yeah, that's that's all that can be said for, for J.R. Ryder, Isaiah. Let's move on to <laughs> number seven. The mayor. Freddie Hoiberg right here, number seven. Uh, only two seasons with the Wolves, but they were the Timberwolves' two best seasons. Uh, the 03-04 and 04-05 Timberwolves years where they were you know, atop the Western Conference and making deep playoff runs and all that stuff. KG's MVP season and his near, near MVP season right there. Hoiberg came off the bench. Uh, for almost all that average, about 20 minutes a game, and was just a, a shooting specialist, really. Um, but he shot like over 45 percent in uh, only two threes a game. You know, it was a really, different time. Was really the era different time for a shooter like him. But he made it go in the basket when he did shoot it. So um, you know, just and he set the NBA uh, fran- uh, franchise or, or uh, sorry, uh, you know, record for any any franchise for uh, free throw percentage in a single season, which we believe has been eclipsed by Steph Curry or Steve Nash or someone since then. But still cool at the time right to have this guy on your team who's you know i think he shot like 89 percent or something from from free throw so you know gotta give it up to freddie hoiberg you know he's had an unceremonious fall from the nba mm. game after you know co- leaving iowa state uh, to go coach the bulls and uh now where is he nebraska i think he's the coach in nebraska right did now he go back to nebraska he's, he's well he was at iowa state before so oh, that's right i think he uh, is at nebraska yeah then. so i think he's now the coach in nebraska you know he's a college coach it's, that's i think that's where he's gonna end up being i don't think he'll get another shot to coach yep in university in Nebraska, you're right. Um, yeah, former uh, Wolves uh, front office guy after his playing time. But yeah, Hoiberg had to be he he tops Ryder and Levine because you know maybe you know he wasn't uh, necessarily the better player, but he played on more important teams and played a role in some uh, high level playoff games. So shout out to Fred Hoiberg. Do you want to know who holds the record now for free yes. throw percentage yes, in a single yes, season? Yes. I would guess Steph. He's a ham farmer. Does that tell you anything? Oh, is it? Um, was it Juan Carlos Navarro or what's his name? You're right. It's a Spanish guy. It's Jose Calderon. Oh, Calderon, yes. Yeah, the starters slash the basketball Jones slash no dunks make a lot of jokes about his ham farms. He went 151 and what for 154. He missed three free throws that season. Wow, that's amazing. So beat that, Hoiberg. <laughs> All right, are we ready to go to the next one? Let's go. Number six. Uh, Terry Porter is number six. Three seasons with the Wolves, 246 games, eight playoff games. Terry Porter, he just makes his list because he was on some good Wolves teams. Uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be in, in a mix here with uh, Doug West and uh, Anthony Peeler, where it's like you don't think of these guys because they're definitely not household NBA names or whatever but uh terry porter had a really good nba career actually before he came to the wolves played a lot of seasons with the portland trailblazers and uh yeah i I just think he's 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 higher up on this list than than you might think yeah now we're getting into some of the meat and potatoes of this list (laughs) yeah a lot of good years to terry porter two-time all-star with uh, with Portland before becoming a Minnesota Timberwolf in uh, 1995, so you know he kind of you know his 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 Timberwolves time was tied with those early KG years, and uh, you know made the playoffs in 96, 97, 97, 98 uh, with the team. So yeah, only a couple seasons, but played every single game in three straight seasons for the Wolves. Played in the playoffs, you know, scored it a little bit, ten points per game, did his thing. 
Um, but that's just kind of how this list is here, where we're getting to these guys who are maybe a little bit less names. We told you this was the little, toughest position. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit older, you know, in, in, as far as the seasons go. But also, you, you can't knock their contribution. They play in the playoffs. Some of it is tailoring it to our audience. Some of it is that, at least for me, I've watched a lot more modern wolves than, you know, pre KG wolves in yeah, my life. Yeah. But I do think it's important that we recognize these uh, early era wolves as well, you know? Yeah, we can't forget about them. We can't just let be ruled by recency bias here. That's right. But. Going back to recency bias, let's go on (laughs) to number five. I think this one's sort of a little controversial. This this one is probably the player that someone might have a lot higher um, uh, than we do right here, but it's Kevin Martin, Kmart. When he came to the team, I remember talking about how that might be the best shooting guard we've ever gotten. Because at that Mm -hmm. time, he had a great career. He was oh man if if you don't remember him on the Canes and on the Rockets oh yeah oh yeah the Rockets he was that thing when he was on the Rockets he was that analytic darling like the guy who's scoring from three point and the free throw line his effective shooting percentage must have been awesome at that time he's got crazy free throw percentage numbers too just in the high eighties low nineties like he could be a lead leader in free throws too which is so funny because his shot is so weird it's such a weird three point shot you know yeah the hitch and. Uh, I mean, when he came here, obviously we were really excited because we had never had a shooting guard of that quality. He wasn't that quality for us. He, you know, he was in his last few years in the se- in the league. Yep. So he didn't quite bring that production for us. But I still remember the time he broke his wrist or his hand against the Knicks and then scored like thirty points after that. And like didn't play for weeks. Then, after yeah, that. then he was out. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. T- two and a half seasons for Kevin Martin, one hundred and forty three games in a Wolves uniform, basically averaged twenty points a game like for his entirety of his Timberwolves tenure though. So, I mean, he was filling it up and more of the probably one of the more like traditional shooting guards the Wolves have ever had, just yep. as far as be able to shoot the three and just like a scoring only like kind of guy. But, you know, unlike, you know, some of these other guys didn't see playoff experiences for the Wolves, right? He was on some really bad, uh, you know, kind of that uh, Kevin Love era, Nikola Pekovic era, you know, uh, the last love 14, season, 15, you know, 16, that was the you know, season, you know, yeah. Ricky. Kmart, Corey Brewer, Kevin Love, Nikola Pekovic was the starting five, and yeah. that was the one where we knew we had to go all in, or else what, or Love wouldn't stay, and we <laughs> we ended up going like forty and forty four or something like that, and yeah. we just missed it, and the Grizzlies beat us just by a little bit. We were season ticket holders that year. I know that season very very well. Yeah, but yeah, that's the last player on this list who doesn't make the playoffs with the Wolves. So now we're going into some playoff contenders. That's right. Let's go. Number four. Number four is Doug West, legendary Timberwolf. Um, this is this is really kind of yeah more of a legacy pick, I would say. Drafted by the Wolves, nineteen eighty nine. Um, you know, so really early. Uh, you know, the first Timberwolf season. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, so you know, eighty nine ninety. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, know. he was. Uh, you know, he was with the Wolves for the beginning, and really, I think more than anyone else was kind of the face of the franchise. Yes. And some of this is me being really young at the time and we would go to the games and we got free Doug West jerseys yeah, that had like a Pep- Pepsi logo on them and stuff. None of these other guys have giveaway jerseys. For- and when you're a kid, you're like, uh, who do I pay attention to? <laughs> oh, the guy whose jersey I have. Oh, wearing his jersey. So yeah. maybe there's a little cognitive bias here that I paid attention to him more because I went to Doug West free jersey night. But I also think it illustrates how Doug West was really one of the faces of the early days of this franchise. Yeah, I mean, from 80, he played with the Wolves from, 80, he was, uh, let's see, he was eight, nine seasons with the team, 379 games, three players playoff game so you know he was the pre-kg kind of uh you know face of the franchise maybe that was isaiah Ryder a little bit in there as well you know with the dunk contest and stuff but i feel like doug west was probably the better overall player um you know got to a point where he's averaging you know one season 92 93 averaged 19 points a game Mm -hmm. um you know 
so he was out just filling it up, playing almost every every game of the year, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. he was pretty pretty solid out there and really, yeah, kind of up and, you know, played in the first, in those early KG playoff um, years as well. So, you know, Doug West, probably a name, again, not, not, not a name lots of people know about, but for Wolves fans, he was one of the first guys. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Doug West for I you. I respect it. <laughs> you know, he's still still you know up there in terms of leaders and like games played as a wolf. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go on to number three. Number three is Anthony Peeler, aka AP, AP Scott, Anthony Peeler. Talking about shooters again. That's right. right. That's this right. guy could shoot. Mm-hmm. Anthony Peeler, uh, you know, didn't start his uh, his uh, NBA career with the Wolves. Played with the Lakers and then Vancouver for a little bit. But uh, was on a lot of really good Wolves teams uh, from 1997 to 2003. Uh, Peeler, you know, played and started a lot of games. And, uh, you know, again, this is someone who contributed to, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, again, not the absolute best Wolves teams. He was not not part of that uh, 03, 04, 04, 05 team. But leading up to that, a lot of those first round exit uh, seasons, Anthony Peeler was starting at the two out there alongside KG, you know, and, uh, you know, getting it done. And, and I thought I thought this number was weird, so I'm sorry to correct your statistics, Neil. Oh, please. Because Doug West was here for nine seasons, and yet he played the exact same number of games as Anthony Peeler. I thought that couldn't be right. So I looked up top ten in games played, Tim Roll's history. Right now, Ricky Rubio and Carl Anthony Towns are tied for ninth. Wow. So I guess tonight Ricky is going to kick Cat down to tenth. Oh, yeah. But this is a fun list, so I'll just go down. Uh, ten, Cat, nine, Ricky, eight, Kevin Love, seven, Anthony Peeler. Six, Wally Serbiak, who is a small forward, yep, and so not on the not list. On the list. Uh, five, Andrew Wiggins. Four, Gorgie Jane. Three, Doug West, who played 609 games. Wow. And then number two, Sam Mitchell, 757. And number one, KG, 970 games. Dang. All right, yeah. The, so uh, longevity matters, you guys. See how Peeler comes in. And did three. you say how many playoff games he played with us? For Peeler? Yeah. Uh, 26. Well, that's a that's lot huge. of playoff games. Can that's you imagine huge. that? That's I, the most on this <laughs> list. That's why he's so high. He's the most on this list. If you put the last 15 years together, you don't even get half of 26 playoff games yeah, I can't believe the Wolves played 26 playoff <laughs> right? games. Right? That, that just seems just wild to me. Different yeah. age. That's just because they're all first-round eggs. It's like they did, yeah. you know, like it's just sustains like casual success right there. So mm-hmm. I like it. All right. All right well, we got next? We're going to go super modern now. Neil, let's do number two. Number two is Jimmy Buckets Butler. Yeah, we put him on the list. Controversial. Controversial. We were not sure if we should, but I looked up on Basketball Reference, and uh, according to their uh, play-by-play positional uh, sort of list here, uh, the one Butler season, he played 80% of his minutes. At the two. Um, and, you know, that's kind of murky because Andrew Wiggins was the three. Then. Starting at the like, small forward often who, would kind of, you know, yeah, I what feel do like, positions really I feel like mean Butler anymore? Would, would guard the better player who is often the bigger player. So, really, he was probably guarding small forwards more than Wiggins was. But um, we, we put him on here. We decided to do it just because. You know, it was such a successful season, and it was all on the back of Jimmy Butler. He put the team on his back. He did so much for the for the team. Um, you know, and and they made it to the playoffs, which you know has not had anything happen. <laughs> no other team is no other Timberwolves team has made that happen in modern times. So right, yeah, there's credit something there. to be said for that. Could you imagine if the drought was still going? Yeah, and you know, like it's not like Chicago won that trade either. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I know, like we had to take him down to number two because. Obviously, what happened with him in the franchise? It was a mess. We had, it was only we had one season. It was, it was only one season. season. Yeah. But the only shooting guard to make an all-star team for this franchise? Oh. 
You know, like you said, good point. Ended the playoff drought. And I think we had this discussion when we got him. Is he like automatically one of the two or three best players to ever play for the Wolves? He's in that conversation. Nice to be. You got to think that he's better than Kevin Love, you know? And so, like, the question is, you know, will Towns, you know, be that number two? That's right. Easily by the time his time is done here in Minnesota. But I just think Jimmy's like, he was such a good player and had such a good season with us. And like all the other things we said, played playoff games. uh, Yep. You know, played in the All Star game. We we couldn't deny him a spot on this list. We'll have to remember this because then we cannot count him for the, sh- the small forwards. Whenever, That's right. Whenever we do small forwards, we have to exclude him. We can't can't double up. It'd be more bit. fun to do power rankings. The worst ten small forwards <laughs> oh, in Rolls history. Number one, no, Andrew Wiggins. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> All well, right. Well, dang. If Butler's number two, then who's left? Who could be number one on this list? Everyone, take a second huh. to. Yell at your podcast app of choice. <laughs> Who is it going to be? Who Who's on your mind that you're like, I can't believe they haven't uh, named it. I can't believe they haven't named him. Is he really going to be number one? Oh, my gosh. Here we find out. Number one. The number one Timberwolves shooting guard of all time is Trenton Hassel. From? Uh, I'm not. It's I, a hard one. Sorry. I have best reference up. But I'm not looking. I have no idea. What is it? Oh, actually, that's just where he was born. My bad, everybody. Oh. Let's let's talk about Trenton Hassel. Oh, Austin P is what it says here. Austin P is his uh, college. Huh. So there we go. Uh, Trent Hassel. Why is he number one, Scott? What what makes him number one on our list uh, of of all time Timberwolves shooting guards? How can it be that someone named Trenton Hassel is the best? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that, you know, parts of it is Austin P. Wow. I thought you meant that, like, the letter P? Austin P. No. It's P-E-A-Y. Wow. I'm going to find out what that P stands for. They were in the NCAA tournament a couple times. They probably retired his jersey there. Anyways, uh, you know, here's the the facts that matter about Trenton Hassel. Uh, He played his best stretch of his career here. It was during the very best years of the Timberwolves team, 03, 04, 04, 05. Uh, Those years he played 82 games and 81 games games uh yeah started almost all those games too and you know this is one of the ones where we said it's kind of hard because he's really more known for his defense than his offense yeah. you know but you know it's an important part of the game as well and you usually you know we like put zach levine on the list because he's winning dunk contests and reigning threes but he couldn't play any defense he wasn't helping you he's get not to the contributing playoffs to winning yeah and this is the best team in timberwolves history this was the starting shooting guard that's right trent hassel 300 four seasons 319 timberwolves games 18 playoff games only four seasons so that shows you he was on some deep runs he wasn't just like he's not one of these longevity guys, you know. Uh, you, you get like Peeler here. No, I'm trying to think who's, who's a better. Doug example. West has been here for a long time. <laughs> Doug but... West nine seasons, three playoff games right. or whatever. No, Hassel only four seasons has played 18 playoff games in that time. So you know that that's that's great. You know that's 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 deep runs right there. So uh, he had to be there again. Yeah, starting on on the best teams. That's really the that's really the you know that's what he has to hang his hat on. He was on the best Timberwolves teams ever, and he started on those teams and was a big reason why they went deep into the, into the into the playoffs and was such a good defensive team. You know, he was the wing defender to KG's, uh, you know, post defender, cover up everything else type of guy. So he was guarding, you know, the best perimeter guy every single night. And, and yeah, again, another one of these guys is just this entire list is defined by these unsexy who is that guy list of guys. But, hey, someone has to play shooting guard. And uh, for the Wolves, it was sometimes some weird names. Uh, but you got to remember Trent Hassel when it comes down to Timberwolves best. If we had a podcast at the time, I guess we'd be probably be calling that backcourt the two S's, two L's backcourt. <laughs> I thought about that too. We always say that about uh, Sam Cassell. Cassell, one of my and favorite Hassel. nicknames, but two we also had Hassel. Hassel. We had two guys who did that. It's incredible. Playing together. 
All right, there it is. The top uh, ten. So, like we said, you can't argue with the list. It's actually correct. That is the correct list. It's objective. Um, but if you were to argue with us, why don't you let us know who should be higher, who should be lower, should Jimmy Butler be on the list at all? Give us your opinions online at Wolvescast in the comments of this Cana Supas post, or you know. In person. Don't come close. Yell it from across the street. That's right. That's right. Let's All get right. Safe, safe socially distance. Up next, it's time for Weekly Wolfies. Now presenting your Weekly Wolfies. All right. Award time. It's award season. So we're giving them out here. Scott, we each have an award to give out. Let's uh, let's go for it here. I'll get us started. Uh, my weekly Wolfie goes uh, goes out to a piece uh, from The Athletic uh, this week, Scott, all about former Wolf Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan, a broadcaster, former Wolf, former Wolf broadcaster, <laughs> Kevin Harlan. I remember uh, the days. And uh and uh, yeah, he, there was a great piece uh, in The Athletic, and um, it was all about uh, Kevin Harlan's uh, behind the scenes of his, his new setup <laughs> as he uh, calls NBA games from his basement. That's right. Uh, 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 the author is Richard Deitch. I don't know how you say that last name, but uh, yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have uh, the 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 in the, the show notes. In the so, show notes. That's right. But uh, Kevin Harlan this year is broadcasting from his basement, um, and uh, he, Jeez, he it did looks like, like our a, podcast studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild that this is going out to national broadcasts right here. But it's just a cool look into yeah the realities of being a broadcaster these days, and uh, and uh, what you have to do from home. You know, this is. Uh, he's got a pretty pretty big setup, and he's got a video in there that's included. But just talking about you know again because Harlan, you know he, he's he's beyond basketball now. He's cover he does you know football games every week and all sorts of different sports, and he's one one of the biggest names in the industry as far as uh, you know play by play goes. He's a he's a legend. But it's just a cool piece. We I like uh, behind the scenes. I like uh, broadcasting stuff. I like the you know sort of uh, like the show of it all and sort of how they how they present this stuff. And Kevin Harlan, of course, with the Minnesota connection, got to shout it out. But it was a really good piece. If you're looking into seeing uh, how the how the NBA is pivoting to get this stuff done without having people in the building, so check it out on the Athletic, and we will have the link to that in the show notes. We so rarely get to play this. The big ticket punches one hole. And the last one. Minnesota's got the lead. <laughs> we got the NBA Jam music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Legend. Yes. All right. I like that one. I am going to go political this week, everybody. It. It's get been it, a Scott. weird week for politics. You could say that every single week for the past four years. And, uh, you know, this last week, just to, if you are, for that person who's listening in August of 2025. <laughs> right, right, know, right. Hey, hope, hope summer's nice. It's the for first you. week of January. But uh, just so you know what was happening at this time, uh, this week, there was a runoff election uh, for the two senators from Georgia. And Georgia's traditionally been a pretty Republican stronghold due to a lot of voter suppression. But uh, what happened was the incumbent uh, Senator Kelly Loeffler, well, both of the incumbents, uh, both mm. the Republicans lost, which is crazy enough. Uh, two uh, Democrats, one in Georgia, one black, one Jewish. You know, it's very cool, uh, progressive for the times kind yeah. of thing. We love to see it. And it shifts the majority of the Senate. So it has long ranging political implications. But here's the tie in here. And who's going to get my uh, Wolfie is the WNBA. Because if you were watching in the bubble, season you probably remember the little bit 
the controversy that happened, you know, the players were being, you know, kind of expressing their activism, you know, trying to have a voice to comment on all the crazy, uh, you know, protests, riots, uh, killing, police, police killing brutality. people. Yeah, yeah, police brutality. And so they started having statements on their shirts and stuff. And Kelly Loeffler is, was the, was former, haha, no longer. <laughs> Uh, the loser, uh, Kelly Loeffler. She lost. She owns part of the Atlanta Dream. And she was saying, oh, I don't think the WNBA players should be political like this. I think they should just wear the American flag, which, like, that's not political. Anyways, um, so, the you know, I just loved that the WNBA players were just, like, actively trolling an owner of one of the teams. Like, even her, her players on her team were wearing jerseys that were kind of trolling her. And I loved the stand they took. At the time, they started wearing shirts telling people to vote for her opponent. His name is Raphael Warnock. Yeah. Your next senator Vote from Warnock. Georgia. Vote Warnock. Tease. He was polling at 9% before the WNBA started doing wow. this. He was fourth in a crowded pool of candidates uh, at that time. And now he's the next senator from Georgia. And so I'm not saying it's 100% because of the WNBA, but it's probably 95%. Every little bit helps. And I just think it's really cool. I mean, I know that, you know, among most leagues, the NBA players are better at activism than mm-hmm. a lot of other leagues. But the WNBA players take that five steps farther. They're, and part of it is they're not paid enough to worry about their careers. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? Ban me from the league? Okay, I'll go make more money in a different exactly. league. You know, yeah. like LeBron can't talk about China because of all of the, you know, what's going on in China because of all the deals he has and all yep. the shoes deals. Yep. And there's just so much money in the NBA that the activism does get hurt by that because players got to protect the bottom line. WNBA players can be more vocal and have been more vocal. You know, pretty much historically, as far as I can remember, the WNBA has been more outspoken on issues yeah. than the NBA. And I just, I love that about the league. I love how courageous all these women are. I loved it at the time this summer and it was crazy that you know this week those yeah. efforts bared fruit it all and so out. i just think that's amazing what the WNBA players did again and in light of the you know perhaps very uh you know historically significant events of this week uh, you can trace it all back to last summer with the WNBA so shout out to the WNBA shout out to the W we'll see what they uh get up to this summer hopefully they'll have a season this summer again so yeah shout out to the WNBA always uh staying uh using their voice and uh, we love that about basketball in general. So, yeah, nice one there. All right, cool. Let's uh, wrap this thing up with the game. What do we got, Scott? What do we got to trivia? We got to play a game. What's going to happen this week? So, you know, I heard people complaining uh, about how long. And by that, oh. I mean Neil. Yeah. Neil complains. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I haven't no, heard anyone else complain. No, about listen, it, but no listener, just the editor. Neil was telling me, you know, <laughs> last last week the game took 15 minutes with all of your questions. Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a little too long. I'll even agree. The it's media too guy long. is thick. Yeah, it's true. And I get too deep into it. And then I just want <laughs> I want you guys to all know his name is Nasrion, okay? Nasrion. Nasrion Hilton Reed. That's right. Um, but this game, let's keep it a little shorter. I'm going to have a clock here, Neil. It's a, oh. as many as you can get. I'm decided I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Okay. Because I think we'll probably lose a couple seconds with me pressing right and wrong <laughs> on the soundboard and waiting for it. Oh, my god! Because I was going to do 60, but... I have no idea what's coming. I'm kind of nervous here. right now. All right, Neil. The timer. Just like Kevin loves cologne, numbers. This week is all about numbers. And apparently I closed my tab. Numbers. Numbers. I put numbers on the boards. All right, Neil. As you know, Timberwolves, players, they wear numbers. And some numbers have had lots of players wear them. Some numbers have not had many players wear them at all. For example, yeah. 21 hasn't been worn since KG. Of course. So there's only three players in franchise history who wore 21. Wow. 42 hasn't been on, worn since Kevin Love. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Butler's number got worn the very next season. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the, the jersey number, and you're going to name one Timberwolf who wore that number. Okay. So I'm going to go in order from most popular numbers to slightly less popular. They're all very popular, right? Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the first one had 19 different players wearing it. The oh second one had gosh. 15 different players. The third one had 14 different players, 12 different players, 11 players, and 10 players. And so these are just the five or six of the most worn, the ones that were in double digits numbers of players. So we're going to see how far I can go. Yeah, we're going to see how many you can get in 90 seconds. I will give you the number, and you will tell me a wolf who wore that. It could be any wolf as long as they wore Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's uh, turn right. on the timer, and uh, let's, let's get it going. All right, Neil. Number three. Number three, Steph Marbury. That's correct. Your next number is number one. Number one, Anthony Peeler. <laughs> Trying to name some shooting guards. That's right. Uh, your next number is number four. Number four, Randy Foy. All right, your next number, number seven. Number seven, Terrell Brandon. All right, your next number, number 12. Ooh, number 12. EB? <laughs> no. Um, number 12. Hmm, I don't think I know any 12s. Um, Two players wore it last year. Last year? Yeah, but they're kind of nobody players. Um, hmm, pass? Can I, can I get a okay. pass? How does it work? I'll, if I don't I'll know? let you pass. Huh. Next number, 24. 24. Googs. Tom Gugliata was number 24, I believe. All right, you got 30 seconds to think of a number 12. Oh, a number 12. Okay, uh... Is there more than players who played last year? Uh, yeah. Was Martel Webster a 12? Uh, no, he wasn't. I think he was uh, a 9. Players who played last year. Since 2014, there's been like seven of them. Oh. Um, but geez. they're all end-of-the-bench kind of guys. Yeah, I'm having a hard time thinking of any of them. Um, hmm. How about Town's rookie season? He was the vet that came in for the small forwards. He helped the small forwards out. Um, Thad Young? No, think. that's yeah. the year before him. Um, and time. Okay. okay. That's 12. hard. It's a really tough one. Me. Let me read you the guys in uh, historical order, chronologically, or 12. Okay. Corey Williams, John Thomas, Ronald Dupree, Kevin Ollie, mm. Luke Mba Amute, mm. Jeff Adrian, Gary Neal, Tayshawn Prince, CJ Williams, Trevion Graham, and Jacob Evans. That's a really tough list. I guess that's I could, a very tough I guess, list. Uh, Trevion Graham kind of makes me kick myself. And Bamute, I guess, is the other one maybe I should have gotten. <laughs> that's a really tough one. 12, though. That's a very unique NBA number. Yeah. How many 12s? It's, well, it's weird that we've league. had so many. 11 different players. Yeah, here. wow. All right. What so, was the next number after that? Uh, 24 we had 10 different players. Right? Okay. You named 24 right away. And then what was the next one? Uh, then after that, we have six different numbers have had uh, nine players wear it. Oh. Can you guess one of those numbers, Neil? Um, I'll give you three guesses to get one of them. Uh, Wait, so nine players wore one of these? Yeah, nine players. There's six numbers that nine players wore each. Um, So 31? uh, No. Uh, I'm thinking of Ricky Davis. Uh, uh, You said said 42 doesn't count? Uh, 42 doesn't count, and 21's not going to be on there either. Um, How about uh, uh, 10? Uh, No. Uh, I don't know. That's like another common number. I'm trying to think. 13? Uh, 13 is on the list, Neil. So there you go. Your final guess. The five most popular or the six most popular numbers after the ones that were in yeah. the quiz is number five worn by Malik Beasley okay, right now yeah. number eight is also mm, one of those yeah Spree and Gomes yeah. yep, number 13 what you guessed number 15 number 22 Andrew Wiggins 15. and number 30 <sighs> some so, strange ones there yeah so there we go. There's a quiz about numbers. Hopefully, but that's the thing. You, you said 42 and 21. Those are big like numbers across league-wide. the league. Yeah, and I was surprised and ours too are because kind of semi-retired. I like. mean, 22 had nine players, but I also think of like 23 and 32 and 34 as big numbers, and they were not really represented. I that could well see 22 being like guys want to be 21. They come to the Wolves, they can't, so they just take 22. Oh, that makes sense. Right? Like I don't know. That could make a lot of sense right there. 
All right, that does it for Wolvescast this week. We appreciate you guys making it to the end of the show. Listen to the game. Listen to us wrap this thing up. You're super fans if you're here at this part, right? You, you didn't turn it off and go on to the next show. No, you know, I mean, there's a special type of fan who is right. listen to this every podcast. Little bit. So shout out to that fan in August 2024. All right, well, yeah. Thanks, Remember us this way. Thanks for listening to our show. This is the only, we just looked it up, this is the only time, only Thursday in uh, the first half of the NBA calendar, Timberwolves calendar, where there's a game on a Thursday. So unfortunately, we have to record while the Wolves are playing. And they just started because they're on the West yeah, Coast. You know, we almost off. were able to yeah. not overlap yeah. there. But. but yeah, that won't happen again. Don't worry about that. But yeah. Hopefully when we talk next week, we'll be able to talk about the Spurs wearing the Fiesta jersey okay. against us. Yeah. I hope they do that. They're going to say a, a win, but that too. Uh, and hopefully <laughs> we talk about Josh Okogie's minutes played. Yeah, get him back in there. I think, you know, the, the likely guess is they won't play him on both games of the back-to-back this week and maybe get him back yeah. to that Sunday game and give him some limited minutes there. Nice. So stuff to look forward to. And also next Wednesday, Grizzlies. No job, though. So that's the Gorgie Tyus Jones show. That's right. Watch. But yeah, uh, keep on uh, following following us on Twitter, you guys, at Wolvescast, on Instagram at Wolvescast Pod. Check out all the good stuff on Canis Hoopus. And we'll be back next week with another great episode of Wolvescast. See you then. Tips is not like change very much.